Hi, welcome to Talk About the Passion. Today's episode is a two-part episode I recorded with my good friends and recurring co-hosts, Brian Smith and Guy Weatherby. If you've listened to a number of episodes of this podcast, especially the ones I've done with them, you know rush is definitely not a bad word around here. In fact, it's a huge part of my vocabulary, as well as theirs, which is why the first thing I did when I heard the news Neil Peart died was to message these two, as well as my friend Bro, uh, whose episode of this podcast was uh, also named after a Rush song. We had planned on doing another uh, episode on Rush at some point, but hadn't gotten to it yet. The idea was to do an episode on Neil. I traveled to the Great White uh, Merrimack Valley and met up with Brian and Guy, We decided the best thing to do would be to just hit record and see what happens. So that's what we did. And uh, three hours and seven minutes later, we had this. Uh, A couple of times in this recording, things were said like, hopefully you can salvage something from this and that kind of thing. Well, I didn't edit any of this at all, including that where I just said I didn't edit any of this. Uh, Two reasons. One real minor reason is it's it's a pretty labor-intensive job to edit these, even when they're an hour long. I usually listen to them over and over in my car, you know, just bare bones over a few days and make notes of times I might have to edit something out. Or on the rare occasion a guest asks me to edit something out, I want to make sure it's edited at a place where the listener won't even notice. The main reason I didn't edit this one, though, is it's fine. It's a loose conversation between three guys who clearly love Rush and were deeply affected by Neil Peart's death. I didn't think over three hours long, you know, we would stick to just Neil and Rush. And of course, we do veer off a few times. It gets a little silly sometimes. There's some salty language, you know, drinks are being poured and lighters uh, being flicked. Tortilla chips eaten, you know, cell phones ringing, that kind of thing. Uh, At one point, we almost come to blows about ACDC. Uh, but the ship always steers back to Neil. Uh, Brian and Guy are encyclopedias on this band, miles ahead of me and, and anyone I know. And uh, if you're a fan of drums and drum sets, particularly ones Neil played, you'll want to listen to this episode as they go pretty deep into that territory, and it's you know it's pretty fascinating. I split this up into two parts so it's not too huge, and you can make your decision if you want to listen to more. I think you should. I think it came out great, and as always, I love listening to these two friends talk and getting to hang out with them, of course. This is pretty much, you know, exactly the conversation we would have had even if we didn't hit record. So, pour a little of whatever your milk of paradise is out in Neil's honor and enjoy. Thanks for listening. So, I'm here uh, at Brian's house. Hey, with, what's uh, up? Brian and Guy. Once again. And, uh, you know, we had, we did a, an episode on Rush uh, last year, or maybe the year, but I don't even remember at this point. And we, <laughs> and we had said, you know, know, we would definitely do uh, another one at some point. And uh, so that's what we're doing tonight. We're going to talk about Rush. And uh, so on, on Friday, January 10th, around 4 o'clock, at my work, I saw that Neil had, had died, so I immediately... Okay, yep. First and, thing uh, I did was uh, text these two, yep. and then another friend of mine, Bro. Bro Silcio, yep. 
I don't know him, but I see yeah. your friends on uh, Facebook. Yep. So he's he's just as big a fan as you guys. Oh, okay, cool. All right, that puts that in context. So That's we can right. meet him too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we're gonna. We well, have I no, mean, uh, planned here really. We're just no, uh, you know, it seems like really apt when I think of every documentary I've ever seen about like some rock star that something happened to them. Right? Yeah. What do you do? What? Well, like you already said, where were you when you found out? Yeah. I mean, people still ask, where were you when you heard John Lennon got shot? Right. right? I I know this is crazy. So this is funny because it involves a guy. Yeah. Um. I was at the Target at the mall buying my wife a bottle of Diet Coke with caffeine-free Diet Coke. Yeah. And he sent me a text. I had just gotten a brand new phone. Yeah. And have any apps on it at all? Nothing. Just my phone number. He texted me. I was in the checkout, self-checkout. So that, you know, I wasn't getting paid, but you know how those yeah. stores you you work, you're like check it out yourself. Yeah. And he texted me, and it said, guy texted me and said, "Don't go on Facebook." And I said, "Oh, why? What's going on?" And he's like, "Well, C, you know, N C or whatever Canadian National CNB." broadcasting, whatever it is, right. is saying that Neil died. And I'm like, oh, man, well, I don't even have Facebook on my phone, but I'm on my way home. Yeah. And literally on the way home, I was like, it was like something bad happened. Like somebody, there was an accident, somebody got hurt, like somebody in my family. Like yeah. I was really upset about it. It was yeah. crazy, which people probably think is melodramatic or weird, but I was totally, I'm totally serious. It was it was a very surreal, weird That's thing. That's how that last hour. Where were my... you? You told me. So where, how did you find out? Yeah, I was working. Um, and just happened to be taking a break from what I was doing. I was working on a project, hopped on over to social media. And again, I, I'm as a Rush fan, like you guys are, and still connected to the. They haven't been doing a lot, I haven't been active in the past three or four years, really. You know, 2015, no, right. they kind of wrapped up touring. And then the word was right, about yeah. Rush hey, maybe we're going to do something recording, maybe not, but we're probably done touring. And Neil definitely doesn't want to tour, playing the drums, and, you know, we don't know what we're going to do yet. So they hadn't been active in a while, but right. I'm still very much, you know, I'm, I'm keeping a... Tabs you know, on it, sure. Yeah, so as yeah, a those fan... Those guys pop up in anything, an right. interview or something, you're like, oh, what are they doing? So mm -hmm. as a fan and with social media, I'm, I'm just, I'm always following whatever those guys are doing. You know, I'm always going to be interested. In yeah, yeah, exactly, me too. And so... You take a break from work and you go on social media. You're going to see whatever is hot, populate and propagate to the to the top of, of the list. And, and that's that a came big up. Deal. And and you know, it's one of those things that because it's you know a little backstory about the band for all of us. It goes back to early childhood. You know, not quite single digits, but almost. Right. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. So, so we've known these guys and known of them. You know, not personally, but we've known of them mm -hmm. for decades. So and not only so known of them, but like your brother Dean said to me, he emailed me, of course, immediately that day. <clears throat> I got more um, texts and emails that day from people I haven't heard from in right. forever right. than I have in forever. Yeah, more than, here. more than, and I mean this with all due respect, more than when my dad died. Yeah. And my dad was a well-known character. Like a lot of people came out of the woodwork like, oh my God, I can't That's believe right. it. Mm -hmm. More people, people I haven't talked to in over 10 years were like, dude, is it cool? Like... You know, yeah. it was it was something. Yeah, we, it we've was, known the you know the band. Oh, and so like I was gonna say, so yeah. Dean said he's been not just his band, but he Neil specifically was a fixture in our lives for decades. Yeah, right. And and, and because of that, the news I'm like, this isn't the kind of news that would be faked or hoaxed. Right. Yeah, of course. You know, so somebody somebody larger than life might be. Right. You know, uh, and I would disc because it's social media, I would discount it. Yeah. 
Um, but but with somebody like Neil, I immediately felt it was valid. It was yeah, great. Yeah. And right. and and the, the the social media networks that were talking about it, right. there were more than one. There were multiple. It was all the same story. It was all the same same uh, thing. Yeah. Um, and it was coming fast and furious, so it right. seemed like that that news, and, and it was three day old news too. Yeah. He passed away a few days before, so it seemed very believable. Yeah. And I, uh, you, you you always say you use you know you say you can't believe it, but it seemed very strange. Yeah. You know, I said, well, that's that's odd. That that's too early. Yeah. It's not right. Yeah. And being the private guy that anybody that knows Rush knows that he was a very private guy. Yeah. Um, to, to, to hear that he'd been ill for a long time, you know, was not surprising that we didn't, yeah. that nobody knew, you know, right. I mean, five people knew, ten yeah, people yeah. knew, stuff like the insiders, but they kept it quiet, and that's just how we wanted it. So, it was going to be a shock, right. Wh- whether it was today, whether it was last month, whether it was 30 years from now, it's going to be yeah. a shock. Yeah. And it was a shock, and, and again, the first thing I did, the first person that I ever knew that knew Rush before I did was Brian, and right. we came up with Rush basically together. Yeah. He said, check this tape out, and it, it took off from there. Yeah. So, you know, it, again, it was one of those things. It's like a family member, you know, yeah. without being melodramatic, but you're going to be melodramatic. Right. It's that kind of, it's that kind of event. Right. I, I, the first thing I wanted to do was I got to, I got to tell, I got to, I got to text Brian, call right. him, talk yeah. to him. And, and you know and what? And then I, I had to talk to my, my brother and my sister. Right. I've really Everybody come to grips knew. with that. Yeah. I really have, honestly. And I know it sounds, again, melodramatic and stupid, which is crazy. And, but it is what it is. I, I had to come to grips with the idea after the first couple days of, and you can't be that upset about it. It's just a dude from a band. Like, that's how people see it. Right. And after, like, the third or fourth day, I had to literally go to myself, you know what, in a weird way that nobody can understand that makes them think I'm crazy. He's like a family member. He's been an important fixture of every day of my life for decades. Yeah. And I just have to deal with the fact that if people think it's weird... It's weird, I guess, but I just it bothers me. Like I feel like I lost a friend. Yeah. It's crazy. It's fucked. It's weird. It's the people that people that are maybe not even casual music fans, but people you know are, are into huge bands. But I don't think they have the same connection that Rush fans had with Rush, especially right. if you got into my, them at a certain my, time in your life. My uh, nephew Kenny, who uh, we won't even get into that whole thing, but he's a Long story short, a kid that's just finding out now. Yeah. And it's amazing to me to go through that with him because his reactions are like mirror images of us as yeah. kids. Like, I can see things Guy said listening to some record, mm-hmm. and he says the same thing about the same record, only right. it's 30 years later, 40 years later. And it's been really surreal and weird. Mm-hmm. And... uh it's interesting to me that in the way that entertainment works, mm-hmm. that whatever these guys did that affected me that way, that seriously, that profoundly 40 years ago, yeah. just affected my nephew mm-hmm. yeah. 10 days ago. Yeah. Exactly, in exactly the same way. And that's profound to me, is whatever these guys do, whether yeah. you like it or you don't like it, yeah. that's real, man. That's real fucking shit right there. It really and, is. And it what, shows you how timeless the music is, too, that it would... Totally still, timeless. Yeah. and uh, It still connects and still can, can shock and take way. you aback mm-hmm. a bit, because it's just... <clears throat> it's not normal. Yeah. <laughs> it really isn't. You know, it's funny. Which it's is like, part of its attraction, yeah. though, in is playing, that it's not normal in music. In playing uh, songs for him, I was cautious not to... Uh, 
I, I didn't want to influence him. Like, I'm going to play deep cuts that I really like that right. nobody else would know about. It. Yeah. I just wanted him to be experienced the yeah. band. Right. And he was about the lyrics, too. So he would read the lyrics and listen to the cuts. And I would put on cuts I liked. Yeah. But I wouldn't say anything about, oh, this is the one. or Right. Yeah. And he, the ones he would latch onto to me were really, really interesting. Yeah. And uh, I thought you guys would get a kick out of some of them. I wish he could have been here. He just texted me. His sister's really, really sick. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I just woke up and got your text now. So I don't think he's going to show up. Yeah. But uh, anyway, um, one of the first things that he latched onto was subdivisions. Yeah. Now, he's a grown man. He's got a full-time job and a wife and kids and he's, yeah. you know, whatever. And he's like, listened to it, and yeah. I said, you know, try to think of this from my perspective when I was going through this yeah. was when this happened. So it was a soundtrack to what was actually happening to me that made me feel empowered that these guys cared about it. Yeah. And he said, immediately when he starts singing about it, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm in high school. Yeah. And this song was a time machine for a kid who didn't live through that. Yeah. Who... He heard it and went, oh, this feels like high school. What is that? Is that? That sent a chill down my spine. He was like, oh, my God, this song feels like high school. And his high school experience isn't ours. It's the yeah. next right. kind of generation almost. years later. So, yeah. wow. So, wow, this fucking right now in 2020, you're not a fan. You've never heard this. Yeah. Right now, Subdivision sounds like when you were in high school. Yeah. Think about that. That is, Time that? Machine becomes a very prophetic name when you start to realize this music is as relevant as it ever was in kids. Younger yeah. people that weren't even there then hear it now and yeah. think it was there. That was a great wow. name for, you know, for a rush tour to call it the Time Machine. Yeah. Not only because it made literal sense. Yeah. We're going to play something from every every era. era from, yeah, the yeah. First, from before the first album, which I couldn't believe. That they actually pulled out Play a song. Play that Garden Road riff. Yeah, even even just a riff without singing it, but oh, at least good enough. at least acknowledged it. I wouldn't try to sing it all the way up to their last record. So, also thought it, it was brilliant to do it backwards. Yeah, to do it backwards. Hey, mm -hmm. here's what we're doing right now, and then we're going to take it all the way back. Yeah. To and day the, one. to take it to the whole <laughs> level they did of. Like to play to play uh, moving pictures in its entirety is insane to right. me. Like that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah, they 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 Amazing. literally yeah. said, "Well, it's a time machine." It is, but you know, all of those songs can be time machines, and obviously, yeah. you know, for Kenny, it's interesting that that you know, although his high school is never going to be what our high school right. was, that that the way Neil wrote, as well as he played the drums and and helped construct the songs but the way he wrote mm -hmm. hit the lyrics and then Getty has to now take those lyrics and translate them and make them something he could sing and get into yeah, yeah. you know that's a very complicated process it's like yeah. to, to try to put that all together and have it not just be fake and feel have the, and, the music have the mood of the lyrics and have a mood right well that's you know, the weirdest thing they, they all thing, really yeah. cared about Agreed. the same thing at yeah. the same time together mm -hmm. they really did and they said look you're going to write this lyrically then I'm going to have to try to, you know, try it on yeah. and sing it. And then we're going to have to try to all play together. I mean, every song that they made seems like it would never happen. Right. When you look at it, <laughs> when you look at it on paper, yeah. like Rush is never going to make more than two or three albums. This is right. ridiculously yeah, complicated. Right. It's so hard. Like a singer songwriter makes sense. I'm a singer songwriter. Uh, I, I sing songs. I write them. I do them all myself. I sit right. in my studio and I make a million songs that nobody's ever heard. 
So I'm a singer-songwriter. I don't need a guy to write the lyrics for me. I don't right. need somebody yeah, yeah, yeah. to play the guitar for me. Yeah. I do it all myself. That, that makes sense to me. So, you know, Bob Dylan makes sense to me. Neil Young makes sense to me. You know, they did the whole thing themselves. I'm like, I, 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 I'm like that. I, I, I'm not like Bob Dylan. And did I just try to say that I was yeah, like Bob Dylan? Yeah, pretty much. Wow. That was, wow. So that's okay. the end of this episode. It's been pretty cool. I'm pretty sure that anyway, we'll never we'll talk to each other again. Uh, we'll see you guys <laughs> next week. Yeah. I can't believe I went that hard that fast. I can't believe that we started out being upset that Neil Peart died. As a singer, it turned into right. You know, I'm a lot like Neil Young and Bob Dylan. As a singer songwriter, you know, like Bob Dylan and Neil Young before me. Anyway, what I'm getting, what I was trying to get at is that. Have you heard of Prince? Yeah, that guy's pretty good. I hear. Right. Yeah. Right, and he plays keyboards too. <laughs> yeah, just and and uh, sick, sick dance moves. Yeah, yeah right, yeah. Right. Yeah. right. Nice boots. Yeah, yep. A lot of nice outfits. fancy boots, oh, fancy outfits. Yeah. So obviously, we know what you meant. Yeah, about that uh, right. Is that I understand a, a, a single unit, a, a woman or a Get man it, sure. writing it, doing it, getting it done, and then well, having other people maybe come a woman in or a man. Right. Other people come in, be in the band, and flesh it out. That's fine. Yeah. That makes sense. To say, listen, you're going to write the lyrics, and then I'm going to try to translate those and sing those. And then we're going to have other people doing the music, and we'll all try to move that together. Plus, you're also an instrumental part of the music. Here's something you guys might, speaking of the music, here's something you might not know. Um, last month, we all got the news that Neil had passed away. True enough. We all went into our rush caves and thought about <laughs> it, right? And said, yeah. I'm going to deal with this in totally. some, some way. Yeah. But all, also reached out to each other and said, listen, yes. hey, yeah. I mean, the community, uh, uh, like you said, Brian, of friends and family that just showed up yeah. around it. Yeah. What, what, you know, and people that knew it was going to matter to me. Yeah. Do you know? My, my dad my, texted me. Like, my, my sister's not a Rush fan, but she knew it was going to matter to me. So yeah. she reached right out and was there. She's like, as long as you need, I'll be there. So right. things like that. Yeah. I, you I, know, my I, brother reached right out and yep. said, this is going to, you know, I reached right out to him. I said, I might need you. A this. thing that, that made me feel amazing, I told you guys earlier um, about it, but I wanted to put it in here, It's really, and it's quick, is the, uh, I started getting all that crazy email and stuff from people that I hadn't heard from in ever saying, you know, dude, oh my God, you know, like, and then um, on my Facebook page, a friend of mine, Lockie Colebrook, wrote, um, I posted just a picture of Neil. It's like him standing up playing the, the chimes yeah and i didn't put anything i didn't write rest in peace or no text i just right. put the picture and i took it myself from in a book yeah and this uh guy Lockie colbrook that i know was the first person to uh quote uh to what do you call it comment and he wrote really sorry dude you were the first person i thought of yeah and then the next comment was my friend dave Saki mm -hmm. wrote Dude, he's the first person everybody thought of. <laughs> yeah. And I that really made me feel fucking like, wow, yeah, like after all these like, yeah. yeah. And that was quick. the thing, I got a lot of emails and texts from people being like, dude, I wouldn't even know what this band was without you and you made me go, yeah. I have it's, to pay attention to this, you know? It's so. different from when like like I remember when John Lennon died, I was ten. Oh, okay, sure. I, you know, I was a Beatles fan as a kid, but Oh, were you? Yeah, but I didn't. Well, I think who with, isn't kind of. Yeah, but I never connected with you know John saw, Lennon was just like um, John Lennon, Yellow like Submarine Beatles, on but, like Channel Fifty Six right, and all yeah. that stuff, and I think the yeah. Beatles are part of our culture already, yeah. even when we were kids. Yeah, but when you know when I got into Rush, 
even though they were also these guys, you know, I'll right. never meet these, but they spoke to me more than, you know, the Beatles did. Like, I, I didn't it was more yeah. personal. The, the Beatles was more like, oh, I love these songs right. as a kid, these melodies. and. I think Ru happy. Rush was the first band of any kind, and it later became important, I think, more for me with rap, maybe, and metal music and, like, hardcore music. But Rush was the first band where the part of the draw was that the lyrics were about me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I identified with, oh, these guys know my story. Yeah. Up until then, the lyrics were whatever story they were telling you. Right. And all of a sudden, with Rush, and then, of course, yeah. that's a hallmark of rap, for sure, right. and of, like, metal music. It's about yeah. a common experience. But at that time, there was a lot of fucking partying and getting laid and getting drunk in rock and roll. Yeah. And not a lot about guys going, oh, you know, I think you probably feel like shit because of this, because right. it makes me feel like shit. And, yeah. And it was about me. Yeah. Which is nuts, like, even now, to think about how it still is. And those songs will always be that to me. Yeah. You know? That's crazy. And then here, and then when you hear, like, Limelight for the first time, that's when you, you're like, wow, Neil, this is how he is. Like, he's not, like, this rock star that, you know, he's yeah, kind of now, very, he's very uncomfortable with this role, but he, he knows. Yes, and, you know, that's yeah, a very he's interesting not, thing. Now he's the, not channeling me. Now he's, now he's telling me about himself. Yeah, yeah. In the, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he... Also, that thing about Neil that was crazy was that his lyrics were the first lyrics, I was going to say, for sure, that that made me sit down with the lyrics yeah. and go, oh, I don't think what he's saying is necessarily what he's talking about. Right. I think there might be a metaphor here, or there, is this for some... There was a lot of that on moving pictures for me where, not in the in the very vague and crazy abstract sense, yeah. but in the sense of like what a song like, uh, give me a good example of that. I used that record because it was the first one for me, moving pictures, that yeah. I was like, oh my God, right? Bang, springs were coming out of my head like a cartoon <laughs> robot. Oh, like, like vital signs? Yeah. The fact that it's so deeply layered on so many about, everything that is everything about like society and humanity and human you know human nature mm -hmm. that there wasn't a lot of that in kiss and acdc right. songs i thought those bands ruled yeah but all of a sudden i was like oh this is a new thing to me that yeah. this band is going to talk about something a little more sophisticated yeah. than it was the first time music connected you with you like emotionally not just yeah in an artistic way where yeah. i'm like oh they wrote <laughs> A song about the Twilight Zone? Right. You know, or uh, some other art that I... Oh, these guys like the same art that I like. Right. Like the... Oh, they're going to reference Ayn Rand? And, right. You know, like... I don't know. It was weird. It was like our people that got beat up every day at middle and high school, got yeah. our asses kicked every day, and got made fun of, and like, nice rush shirt, faggot, and right. kicked around, and yeah, your yeah. books are knocked out of your hand. And these dudes were not only bringing that shit to us about, like, no, no, look what we did, you can do it, but also telling the record labels simultaneously at the same time, yeah. we're going to pretty much do whatever we want. If you don't like it, you're going to have... A, they're, they're so polite and Canadian, they're like, I'm really sorry, if we had our own way, it wouldn't be that way, but we're going to have to ask you to fuck yourself. This is, how the, <laughs> this is the record. Right. And then right when the record company goes to cut them, and they're like, now we're going to do whatever we want anyway. We don't care if it right. does. Fine, we'll go back to our day jobs. And that record to be the one that makes them get carte blanche. From that record on, right. Rush does whatever they want, and the record company goes, okay. Yeah. 
You know, there's a famous... Is it in the uh, documentary, Beyond the Light Stage, where Alex... You know, those guys are so polite, and they're never arrogant. Right. But in that one moment, I love it so much when he goes, you know, so what about nowadays? Do you have a producer that does this and whatever? And he's like, yeah, everybody works for us, and then we give the label the record. Right. And they put it out. Right. They don't have any choice. Yeah. That's fucking That's one right. of the most right. greatest moments to me of rock. That's a rock and roll moment because for that one, two seconds, Alex Lifeson's a rock star. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, put the record out that we yeah. gave them. They don't have <laughs> yeah. any choice. Right. And that, and you know what? He fucking earned that. Yeah. He earned that to tell he, everybody to fuck off. And he knows it's yeah. funny and totally 100% legit at yeah, the yeah. same time. Yeah. And he knows you know that too right. because he knows if you're at that and level. And we all know that he walked off that set and right. went to Getty and went. Do you think I should have did that? (laughs) Well, the blah, blah, blah thing. Right, and Getty going... Alex Lifeson is... One of the things about the blah, blah, blah thing, if I could bring that up, is... um, I love this no format. We're just going to talk about Rush. It can go any... And our trees always go... Yeah. Squirrely. So if, uh, explain the blah. If, the blah, blah. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. So at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction, Alex's speech was like, well, how long? Four minutes? Right. <laughs> Four solid, long, life-draining minutes of Alex Lifeson going, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and what I found amazing was that three, a bunch of things. First of all, that Getty was completely able throughout the entirety of it to keep a straight face. Yeah. He just stood there completely like he was delivering a very Monty Python of those guys. He yeah. was, Getty was like, at several points, Getty actually goes. <laughs> right. Like he made a point there. Yeah, he's like nodding. He's, he's, right. And what, but what astonished me was after the fact, so a lot of people were pissy, like he didn't take it seriously. It's like, the only reason they were in there was because enough Rush fans literally rose up yeah. that they're like, we will put this fucking place out of business if you do not put this band in here. Right. And they had, again, much like the when they took 2112, yeah. you don't have a choice. You will fucking put this band in here and you will do it right now. Yeah. And I don't know, has that happened with other bands? Risen? I know Priest fans are bummed right. out because we just tried to rise up this time and they got snubbed right. again, yeah. which is ignorant. Let's right. not go into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a priest nut. You guys know that. Well, yeah. And fucking that, one of the best rock and roll bands, never mind metal bands of all time. A rock and roll hall of fame that doesn't have priest in it is bogus. We're right. done. And, and they should have rebranded it the music hall of fame long yeah. ago. Yeah, exactly. And then a lot of Agreed. people would just relax. Right. You're right. And, and, or, or just segregate it. Why yeah. don't you guys think outside the box and say rock and roll hall of fame uh, here in Detroit. We'll have the soul hall of fame here right. in New York. We'll have the bluegrass and country hall of fame in nashville we'll have the 80s right. pop yeah. you know whatever hall of fame in california and just spread your spread your message and you could cross pollinate yeah. everything yeah. and then when, and then madonna being in the in the one in la is great because right. she doesn't belong in the soul right. hall of right. fame if you think about the rock and roll hall of fame for just five seconds and then i'll get right back to neil because yeah, I, I i'm to. already bummed out more I, than, I, than I, I was the rock and roll to. hall of fame bums me out almost more than fucking neil dying does right <laughs> it, 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 it's a bummer but but if God you think about it, it if it's the music hall of fame, people relax. Right. If it's the rock and roll hall of fame, that that that's too opinionated. Everybody yeah, people has people like why is fucking the Beastie Boys right? Know, and and if you think about that, you say, well, if they you called it the Soul Hall of Fame, right? right? If there was a Soul Hall of Fame, right? Right. 
And they said, well, then Hall and Oates are in. You'd be like, right. well, that, and Michael McDonald is now in. Right. Yeah, and, right. then, well, and then and pretty who, soon, Huey Lewis and the News are in, right? right. And then Ario Speedwagons. And you're you like, don't think Huey Lewis and the News should be in? Well, I'm, what I'm saying is... Whoa, I'm a little offended. No, I'm saying by degrees, you see where it slips. But then all of a sudden, right, we've got Run DMC is in the... And they do have soul, but, you know... <laughs> It, it, it slipped away. Nobody, everybody would say, yeah. well, yeah, that's right. Run DMC does not belong in a Soul Hall of Fame. Yeah. It's like, well, then, then, honestly, Madonna doesn't belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Right. She's You're pop, right. and she belongs in a Hall of Fame because she's amazing, and she's an incredible artist, but not in that. That's all I'm saying. I'm, right. I'm done. A yeah, ta yeah. Table, that's another discussion. <laughs> Don't want to talk about it. Doesn't. You can edit this out. <laughs> I'm fine with that. If you, yeah. if you end up editing this tape, that's great. No, no, that's do you want to wait for Brian, speaking of editing the tape? No, no, that's fine. <laughs> Have you been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Never been. Yeah, no. I was driving through Cleveland, and I went through there, and uh, it was during, a, a, you know, having a Bruce Springsteen uh, thing that, at that time. And, I, and yep. I like him, I'm not like a huge, huge fan. Sure. But like we were talking before, so the listener, we're not talking about Rush for a few minutes here, but we'll get back to that. Yeah. Um, we were talking about Kiss earlier, and they have a thing where they, in the current tour of the last few years, where you can pay $10,000 and Paul Stanley will play a guitar on the show for 30 seconds, and then you, he hands it to you after the concert and you own it. Right, the idea is that there's a meet and greet afterward, yeah, yeah. and that so guitar is presented yeah, to you yeah. as a paying customer. Yeah, and he'll sell like 8 to 10 of those a night at shows. Right. And... Uh, but we were just, and I was just talking Incredible. about how generic that is, because it's not like a, a guitar that, you know, the guitar that was, you know, played right. on whatever album. But anyway, my point is, when I went, they had, like, the shirt Bruce Springsteen's wearing on the cover of The River, and, like, the right. original handwritten, so that stuff's cool. And they had, like, the guitar he's holding on the cover of Born to Run and stuff like that. So. Right. You know what I just noticed? It's crazy. Yeah? This room, with us particularly... Not this room, but yeah, this room with specifically us in it. I just went to pee, let everybody know. I just went to pee pee. By the time I came back, I walked in, I have no idea. In in that minute, you guys have gone from wherever we were to someplace I can't even imagine. <laughs> but here's what's amazing about it. It's just like the record store. If I didn't know you guys, right. I would already be edging nearer to you with whatever I was buying going... Well, yeah, but you know that I've been trying to get into that conversation, and that's pretty funny. So thank you. You know that he actually wore two shirts on the River <laughs> photo shoot, and the one they have in the RROH oh, right. yeah. is the blue one, the white one. Yeah, how did we ever go from? Oh my God, I can't believe Neil Peart died to Springsteen. How did we right. get? Um, Where was... that's a creepy bridge. You want to talk about like six? We should have a game. You know, like six someone degrees leaves, of Kevin Bacon. Then we try to no, well, out. no, but yes, but but here's the thing. But here's the you're right. That's what it is. Someone leaves the room. Yeah, that's welcome the room to. You're gonna come back. Okay, and be so about now kids. I'm gonna I'm gonna start my own podcast. It was I got a lot freer about what it's I bring up. Someone leaves the room. <laughs> but here's the thing. Watch it's like space. six degrees right. of of Kevin Bacon. That's yeah. right. You have to be able to explain yeah. the six degrees between how we got from oh, Neil yeah. Dodd to Springsteen. To that's right. Like, I yeah, bet. right? Like, what is it? See, and so, we, we need to stop talking about this right now until my podcast, Someone Leaves the Room. Oh, okay. And the reason so we have to, to stop this. talking about it is because we're going to start doing it right now yeah. because we'll all love the challenge. How can I get from <laughs> Romley to Only Living Witness in you six? We can do it, though. We could absolutely do it. I know we all <laughs> wow, can. Wow, dude, this might be wait, a seriously wait, good idea. I and, bet we can do this. I can do it. And I know we want to, so we How have to stop right now. You're right, but wait. let's write that down. Right. 
put that on the snare drum right there. You put those notes. I'm scribbling. Write you it down. you, you, That's you, a good you idea. talk, I'll write. That's a fucking I, good idea. Holy shit. All right. I was just thinking, like, we better tell him to write it down. Meanwhile, Duran Duran to Ramstein. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're actually it's recording. It's completely recorded. Steps. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing is fucking digital. Make sure you write this down. Yeah, we See, could, that's what's crazy we when you... We could listen back to it. Yeah. Well, you know what's crazy is when you get old, you don't even understand the technology you're using. Yeah, we're no, using it, and it didn't occur to us, like, we're recording it. What are we, idiots? Yes, we are. At this point, anyone that's a huge fan of Rush has stopped listening, so uh, yep. we apologize to... Well, hopefully we can um, work edit this out or something. This could become something else. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, it'll, yeah. yeah so, it, it'll depend on how it listens back. But, yeah, right, okay. Yeah. So, so let's get blah, back, though. So you were talking about the blah, blah, blah. Incident, oh, so the, the blah, 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 long story short, he was taking the piss because the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Rolling Stone, that's a yellow rag <laughs> by any stretch... Um, ignored this fucking band for decades. Yeah. Until literally the fans rose up. It sounds almost too... It can't even be true, but right. it is. And, um, you know, I think that was a thing. I mean, I don't want to put words in Alex's mouth, but literally you could easily, because it's one word speech for four minutes. But I think it's about, like, you know what? This is awesome and whatever, but what anything I say up here doesn't mean a fucking thing. It's yeah. whatever the rock and roll... I think he was giving them the finger. Yeah. In a very comedic way, right. which is Alex, and I think that um, Getty then started wearing those blah 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 T-shirts, oh, yeah, right? right? Yeah, right. and during live shows, yeah, they even sold them on their website, you know, and, yeah. and they, they would throw them out of those uh, T-shirt cans. But but you know what show. was funny was Rush is going to get in. It's the first time I tuned in to anything that had anything to do with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in quite a long time. I think the previous time I had paid any attention was first time the police are going to play in 25 years or whatever that was. Right, right. I was like, are they going to play, though? Are they just going to take the award? Because, like, no, they're going to play. And I was yeah. like, I will watch when, that. When, I'll, when, I, in fact, I'll, I'll tune in while it's happening. When, I don't watch TV, but I'll sit down for that. I want to see the police play. When, when Yes got inducted and Chris Squire, their bass player, had passed and Getty Lee from oh, Rush. damn it. Amazing. But here's the thing. Right? Played bass. I didn't know. I'll be honest. I didn't know if I was watching it more to see Getty Lee play with Yes or to watch Yes get <laughs> right. into the Rock and Roll of yeah, Fame. From, Those were both dream yeah. things from... And and to say that is not that Getty is a better player than Chris, and I always wished he was. I'm not saying he's right. stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I'm saying is those guys are two mm -hmm. of my favorite bass players of all time, yeah, of and in all seriousness, without irony, yeah. I would utter either of their names in the same breath as Jaco Pastorius or fucking... Eddie Gomez or any of my favorite bass yeah, players. They definitely. they are among the best bass players Easy. of all time, period, regardless of genre. Yeah. And Yeah. Right? Yeah, definitely. So one of the interesting things that happened um when Neil passed was that because social media is what it is in 2019, 2020, right. you know, the most recent iteration of what's going on. Everything's happening really quick, almost in real time. Yeah. Right? Wicked so, bad, which is a lot like um, Between the Wheels. I was just, that's gay. I was just listening to that. Gay in the, you know what I mean. Uh, Brian, how old are you today? 49? 50? Oh, 50? today, yeah, right now? Right. You're 49. 49, right? yeah. yeah. I'm about so to everybody knows what you mean by that word. No, yeah. but, you know, I'm still sensitive to it. I'm not trying to hurt if anybody. If you were 19, you'd be in trouble. Yeah. I'm not trying that's to hurt anybody. No, I understand. I don't, I, I saw a clip on the internet once where a kid says it. That's gay. And his mother goes, don't say that. People will be offended. And his sister goes, he doesn't mean it's homosexual. He means it's lame, mom. 
And so that's what I mean. It's that's classic. Like, yeah. So anyway, I don't even know what I was talking about now. <laughs> Move on. When, when Neil passed, the constant news feed of that yeah. was a little overwhelming. Yeah. So I had to, I had to kind of, you know, unplug from that for really? a bit. Where were you seeing and, that and, on, on, like Facebook? Or? Yeah, most mostly oh, Facebook. Okay, yeah. But then you know, Twitter got involved, and and of course, being a lo- lifelong a lifer, Rush fan. I'm on a lot of message boards and news feeds that are, you know, some some of which are so underground. There's only like 15 members of right. these boards, yeah, okay, sure. and I'm one of them, about. right? So, <laughs> and we're all talking about Rush and what's going on. Um, I had to de- unplug from that for a little bit, and then come back later, you know, in yeah, in, sure. in, in, yeah. in in a, the next day. Overload. And when the next day came up, what was interesting, and nothing's really interesting about somebody passing, but what was interesting about what had transpired in the past in those 24 hours was that now people were coming out of the woodwork in a good way in a positive way it wasn't this is a tragedy and we're gonna you know uh cry right which which of course is an honest and emotional reaction sure most of what i was seeing was hey listen i don't know if you guys ever saw this but check out this live clip right. from X. Yeah. And hey, I don't know if, uh, if if you heard the news, but Neil passed away. It's a sad day. Check yep. out this yeah. thing that I... And everybody started uh, sharing photographs yeah. that you've never seen before. Yeah. Video, music, songs, yep. live recordings. I yeah. mean, all of a sudden I was overloaded. with. I'm like, I've never seen this. Yeah, yeah. Here's, a, here's an interesting fact that you guys might not know. Neil, uh, I, I saw in in this in this constant in this new onslaught of people sharing yeah. what they know of Neil and, and and so forth. One of the things that was shared was uh, an interview that he did, and I'm going to forget what it is, but we'll reference it and make sure that 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 I'll get a link to to it because if you're yeah. interested, you're going to want to watch the yeah. whole thing. Where Neil goes into detail about something that I didn't know about Neil as a as a fan of his since 1980. Yeah, I did not know that he knew how to play guitar and piano. Oh wow! And that he did so only to understand composition from Getty and Alex, yeah. so that he could get into the songwriting aspect um, of it more, so he could understand chord structure, right. so he could understand uh, theory about about key changes, right. chord well. changes. He he was not a he would tell you he was not a guitar player or right. a pianist, uh, in any sense of the right. word. But that he learned it enough, mm-hmm. so that he could speak their language. Uh, I didn't. I've never. Did, have you ever known that about no, Neil? No, no. Never knew that. Not Had at all. no idea. He kept it to himself. He's like, yeah. this is the work that I have to do yeah. as a musician in this band yeah. to be able to communicate with these guys. Yeah. You know, we all know English. Right. So if we're writing words to each other, and I like these, and they don't like these, we can communicate. But I don't know what chords are. Right. I don't know what a chord changes. I got to yeah. learn that so that when Getty's like, I want this part to lift up here, and right. Alex is like, and then we can bounce down. I'm not out of the conversation yeah, yeah, as a right. drummer. I'm in the conversation because yeah. at least fundamentally, blew my That's mind. Amazing, I mean, yeah. it makes sense to me in retrospect. Yeah, yeah. Because I uh, how much it I reminds know the me of the I've, clip in the documentary where his parents are in it. And his mother is like, oh, you had to learn how to knit one time because he just had to figure out how that worked. Right. 
that's what that reminds me of. Is he's like, that's that guy. Oh, you guys, hang on. You write the songs. Well, I love the drums. You, how do you write the songs? Hey, let me learn everything you do, and then I'll get back to you. <laughs> right. He was insane. He's a beast. Yeah. Right. So, and and then, but very modest. Kept it to himself. Right, I mean, so. I, I know yeah. I know a lot more of him as a person from reading his books. He's got yeah. a lot of books out. Yeah, right. Uh, some of them are are not easy reads. Right. Um, insofar as the subject matter, you right. know, his, his wife passing away, his daughter right. passing away, uh, and then how he healed from that. Yeah. That's a really difficult book. Yeah. Um, and certainly would be difficult to read right now. Yeah. Um, oh, it's yeah. Not a oh yeah, that's a tough one anyway. Yeah. So uh, I, I know a lot more about Neil, the person, right. from reading his... I mean, I, I knew all about him, quote-unquote, from listening to the music, right. but certainly it's been... It's been broadened tenfold by by his by his books, yeah. but yet again, in the wake of this tragedy, here's somebody sharing this buried piece of esoteric yeah. information. Some interview from long ago, far away, yeah. with 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 people that you know you'd have to be so deep in the weeds to even have found it. Right. But it percolated to the top, and I was able to learn something about yeah, this guy awesome. that meant so much yeah. to me. In in the next second after I had stepped away and said, emotionally, right. this is a pretty rough day. Oh, it's the next day. Let's yeah. see what's going on. Right. Hey, I'm learning things yeah, yeah. about this man yeah. today yeah. that I oh. hadn't known in, in all this time. Yeah. Absolutely incredible uh, life springing up, you know, from from this tragedy. Yeah. Yep. You know, some, something I've never experienced yeah. from somebody... You know, again, somebody that I don't know personally passing right. away, that meant yeah. something to me. Yeah, you know, no, and, and when, you know, what's interesting about that to me is the idea that this guy that um, we, we never knew him, obviously, personally, never met him. It's for the best. You were in a room with him by accident, but didn't know. That's correct. At an yep. Amy Mann show that you went to see Amy Mann, yeah. and then later Neil wrote in his book that yeah, he was he at was that show. Yeah, right, he it. talked yeah. about that show. So that's, I, which is nuts, but <laughs> it makes crazy. perfect sense, but but also it's just crazy. Yeah. That, what a great moment for you. It was a very dark, very, very dark club, so I'll... Well, I'll and yeah. I'm going to go ahead with Neil was wherever the fuck he wanted Wait. to be. Also, I had really great seats, so yeah. I was right up front. Yeah. So he was obviously behind me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not, though. Neil Peart shows up at the back door at the Amy Nan gig at some club and says, Amy, can you get me? He might have been backstage yeah, with a bottle no, of Cherise. But he might have had a bottle of the wait, McAllen Brian, on ice and been like... Yeah, but Brian, knowing his personality, is he going to go up to the front? No, he's going to yeah. linger at the back, right? You, you don't Chill. think you don't think Neil would go to... Here we go, first Neil Peart argument after the poor prick's death. Was that You don't think California? he would go to Amy Mann and be like, hey, Amy, you can pick up a man? You're like, yeah, he would. One of you think would. he went and bought a ticket and but just I, came in the But bar? I don't think he's going to sit at the front and get served McAllen. Callan all night while the rest of us plebes all sit back. I don't go, think he's just sit at the front, but right. he might sit backstage. He might I, sit on the side behind an amp. Look, I, no, I, Neil, no, no. I, I, I wasn't looking for him because I wouldn't expect him in that in that context. Yeah, of course not. So even if you did, he have the Mountain Man beard at that time. He, no, and and well, I don't know. He might have. But even if he'd been wearing a hat that said Rush on right. it, I would have said, "Look at this jerk yeah, with yeah. a Rush hat right. at the Amy Mann show. What's he going to get her to sign?" The Hold Your Fire right. album at the end of the show? Right. Come on. But, uh, by the way, li uh, listener, if you're the... <laughs> Amy Mann did sing on a Rush album. Yeah. It's yeah, true. Well, I mean, right. Yeah. And um, so you were in a room with him. I was never in a room with him. This guy, so deep that we obsessed over him, in a sense, for decades. Decades. 40, 50 years. And he's still deeper than that. Yeah. 
How nuts is very that dude? Very much so, yeah. No, very much right? so. Right? How nuts is a dude that you can pay attention to every day for 40 years and you yeah. still don't... He's gone and you got to catch up to what he you was gotta doing. you got to catch up. That's, That's insane. Right. That's a good way to put it. you got to yeah. catch up. Isn't that crazy, though? Think about that. Yeah, it's... it's it's. I see people like that I, every day that I see, that I know that everything about... The, I, knew, I paid attention to this dude for decades and I yeah. still don't know what there is to know about him. <laughs> nice. Wow. Look at him. I mean, seriously, right? Look at him. Holy we're, shit. we're all looking at a poster in Brian's room right now. Oh, yeah, right. I would. And, I forget that and, thing is there. I think yeah. we're just hanging out, and I'm like telling right. you guys, look at him! Right. And, and, and <laughs> What is that, 78? No, well, it's... What? So, yeah, let, let's do a let's deep... Let's dissect this. So, we've got, a, we've got a Rush poster on the wall. Let's oh. do a deep dive into the poster. Yeah. Based on outfits... Wait a minute. Here's the, here, here are all the tenets of this poster. The outfits the band is wearing, the, ge- the, 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 the guitars and, and, the, and, and the gear that they're using. I would argue the gear is more important. The gear is definitely to figuring important, it out. as is the amplification. But, but if we're talking about Neil... If you look at his drum set and the way it's organized and what's involved, I believe those are the Slingerlands. Yes, th- that's a Slingerland drum yeah, set. That's you, the Slingerlands, the you, black ones. You, you can tell by the oval badge on the concert toms. Yeah, that's if you're right. a drummer like like Brian and myself. And there's the Wuhan and also the rack right. at this point. Yeah, we, we 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 will also notice that behind Neil is is a set of orchestra bells, <laughs> which didn't come into use until Farewell the Kings. So so here's the thing. That's I 1977. Pro Tali. Here's something right. I didn't. I never really knew about about him, and you guys were when we were going through that book earlier. Yeah, I never realized that he played so many different brands of drum. I, I thought yes. I didn't realize if he was just played like. Oh, really? Like, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. So, yeah. So, wow, so that's a good observation. Yeah. And, so, and, so and Brian, first drum kit as a drummer. Yeah. I was very aware of it. Yeah. As it happened yeah, so in right, real time. Not, yeah, it, it, know, it's so. the drummer thing for sure. You're paying attention to to the sticks to the. Right. To the whether he wears gloves or uh, not. Here's oh, some, like hang a, on, here's some Neil Peart trivia. The only brand that he and you know, there's very distinct differences between you're a sponsored player, correct? Right. You, yeah, are yeah. you an endorser? Right. All right. that stuff that it's, most, I, I, I'll go ahead and say it, lay people, right, that aren't that into it, right. don't yeah. know. Right. The, don't there's care. There's one <laughs> brand. Yeah. One that Neil endorsed the entire time. Do you know what it is? That yeah, didn't change. I, I, I do. What is it? I do. That's Love Promark. That. Yes, the, dude! It is Promark. Promark sticks. sticks. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. The yeah. Oak 747s that you can't play because Lifelong. they're so heavy yeah. and big that you can't play they're them. They're awful. That was a surprising thing to me was to get close to Neil, if I say that, yeah. at a show. Yeah. Meaning I'm on Alex's side far enough back yeah. that I can like see fucking uh, Tony Geranios on Getty's side. Like, right. you're back, back. Yeah, yeah. At a few shows like that, you go to the last. I already saw this tour twice, right. but they came back through, and I can get a ticket way over on Alex's side for twenty bucks. Right. Um, he is was a giant. I never really knew that until a certain point where I was close enough to him physically to go, "Oh my god, he's like fucking Conan O'Brien. He's like <laughs> six and a half feet tall. He's huge." And so, then in retrospect, when I look at the poster we're dissecting, yeah. You can see that because as as anybody that's a drummer certainly would know, like from me and Guy playing drums for forty years, that 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 is a giant Slingerland like John Bonham like right. massive drum arc. Yeah, and he's dominating it like it's a tinker toy. Right, 
Yeah, he he was huge, and I yeah. think people don't realize that. I yeah. certainly didn't as a fan for a long time until right. I started seeing like, oh, Getty's got a stand on shit for the pictures. Like, right. what are we talking about? Huh. He was a monster, and his hard hitting because of his size. Yeah, you can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, were there were there eras of like when he switched to like a new brand where people were like, oh my god, I can't believe he's yes. Oh like, well, no, no. You know what happened every time? Honestly, to my recollection. Not to be melodramatic, but the, honestly, the way I remember it would be Neil Peart would announce he was leaving whatever and going to. Yeah. Everybody across the board, like, so he leaves Tama right. and goes to Ludwig. Yeah. Across the board in the industry and fandom, everybody doesn't go, oh my God, what's he doing? They go, oh, what, the, what is Tama going to do? do? Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. If Ta- if he jumped ship, you just felt like everybody would go with him. Mm. And it was amazing because the Slingerlands was a little before my time. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have any experience with them as a drummer. Mm-hmm. Only as a fan hearing records they were on. Yeah. But I did have, from my era, I had experience with sitting like at Thomas right. and Ludwig's. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So when Neil started playing those kits, I started... Uh, my my and these here in the studio are Ludwig's, and that's yeah. not because of Neil. It's just because I I also have a thing for Ludwig's. But yeah. I think that when Neil played your drums, I feel like that was a thing for your company. Yeah, it had it wasn't going to hurt or benefit Neil in any way. You being attached to him was what was important. Yeah. Same with the cymbals. He played Zildjian forever and ever and ever and ever and Wuhan's. Some guy the other day was talking about he had this Wuhan 12-inch. I have one right there that I love to death. And he was saying, it's the worst symbol ever, blah, 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 blah. It's crap. It's blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Neil Peart and Phil Collins didn't play this symbol. This symbol yeah. for decades because it's, you don't get it, right. but it's an amazing symbol. Right. And I feel like that was across the board with him. If he touched their shit, immediately I imagine their sales figures would go up. Yeah. I mean, even a giant, giant industry workhorse like Drums Workshop. Yeah. Even something that big, you took on Neil. Right. You just took on. I think that yeah, would grow you. You, you took on. You the were entire, not bigger than he was. Right. With, with rare exception, you took on the entire Rush fandom. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's people who don't care anything about the technicalities right. of drums or drum yeah. sets. Right. Who would go to the ends of the earth. To, I mean, there's people I know, not personally, but I know of, right. who've purchased the exact replica record. drum kits. Yeah. Neil, Neil had a oh, uh, yeah. he had a drum workshop kit. Uh, I think it was R30, their 30th anniversary. Yeah. Um, he had a drum kit made up in honor of uh, Keith Moon. Okay. Oh, yeah. Who was yep. one of his big heroes. Yeah. And Keith Moon had a drum kit bat way back in the day that had all these different decals on it right. uh, around all the toms. Yeah. So when they went out on when Rush went out on tour that year, he had a drum set made up in this black sparkle with all the different logos from all the different albums. Yeah. And then Drum Workshop said, you know, what we ought to do, Neil, is make thirty of these, mm-hmm. thirty kits, and sell them for an. Right. extraordinary amount of money to the 30 people in the world who might want one. Right. And of course, they sold every one. Of course they did, right? Yeah. Um, some of some of those sets were sold to people who don't play drums, right. who don't care about drums yeah, they just in it. a technical sense, but are Rush fans. Right. Yep. And they will purchase a, a $25,000 drum set right. because they are doing great 
doing great in their life. They're killing it. Yeah. Yeah. And they can put it in their man cave and say, right. I can't play that, but I can own it. <laughs> right. And you that's, can view that's, it. And that's part of being a Rush fan for me. So, um, you, Brian, you're right. Anytime Neil made a move, that, that and, and, and he always... Here, here was an interesting thing. Uh, this was a band that wanted to stay in touch with their fan base. Right. Even though they weren't going to be covered on MTV, right. nobody would, practically was going to talk about them on the radio. Right. This is pre-internet, and then even during the internet age, not a lot of fee, uh, of coverage, uh, not until fairly recently, and I mean like the last 10, 15 years. Yeah. Um, but here was a band who was going to stay in touch any way they could, and right. one of the ways that they did was in their tour books. Yeah. So every tour book, um, uh, one of my favorite things to do was the to go list. right was to go to yeah. a show yeah. and I'd buy a tour book before yeah. I, I maybe after the show I'll buy a T-shirt. Right. But I had to get a tour book because yeah. then I'd go to my seat and sit down and crack it open right. and get all the members would have their own write-up about here's yeah. the gear I'm using for this tour. Yeah, yeah. And if Neil had changed something, he'd bring you up to date. Right. You got the newspaper. Basically, yeah. it's the Rush newspaper, yeah, yeah. right? It just happened every two or three years. Right. Hilarious. But but, but but as a Rush fan, absolutely essential. I'm like, what what did he change? He's right. like, hey, listen, guys, this year I went from Slingerlands to Thomas or from Thomas to Ludwigs, right. and I'm going to tell you why. Yeah. It wasn't just I did this. Here's, yeah, yeah. here's here's my philosophy behind yeah. it. It was ridiculous. He took it to the southern line. I was like, I'm going to justify my yeah. choice. Not that I have to. Right. I can do whatever I want. And a lot of times, but he would. If you were he at... was really that interested yeah. in it himself, which made me yep. interested in it. Yeah. And a lot of the time, back in those days, it sounds probably funny to people now, which is awesome. But one thing that was interesting, you would go to a show at, let's say, the Boston Garden or um, the Worcester Centrum, right? Or the Providence Civic Center. Civic Center, and, right? Yeah. Whatever. And go in, get your ticket ripped. When you would go to your seat, before the show, before they would play, when the lights were still on, you could basically walk right up to the front and nobody would fuck with yeah, you yeah. until yeah, it was back, time to sit down. You're right. Back in the day. Early days. Nowadays, they tase you. Yeah. Early days. But I remember a number right of shows. Down, right I remember right. at the shows when they were recording, I didn't know that at the time, and I don't think they recorded in Worcester, but at the time, they were recording the shows for Show of Hands. Yeah seeing them in Worcester and going right up to the railing yeah. to see the, the drums because you couldn't see the drums but they, they had a, a thing or like a sheet over them like black cloth a sheet or whatever yeah. you call it over them but I remember being such a nerd that you could tell by the places that stuck up on the sheet that you're like, oh he changed the symbol setup yeah Right. There's something right there sticking up for to Tom over to head right, height, yeah. and there used to be nothing right or there. He, or now. he's done away with all the wind chimes. How's he going to cover that right. when that's they play Xanadu? To look, to look back right. to the point of course, where you cared about the drum right. set under the sheet, yeah. and you right. were like, "No, you're right, Brian." Well, I can right. tell that that used to be an 18, but now there's nothing uh, there. Or right. well, that used to be like you could see right through to the other side, but now there's a whole cymbal arm there. Or and. You followed, you read Modern Drummer, and occasionally he would write columns in there. And yeah. He was a godlike figure in my life that um, I didn't always like what he did as far as his, even his playing. There's obviously parts where I'm like, ah, whatever, I don't like that song or whatever. Yeah. But I would take him very seriously, really? which, whatever which, which he said. Song? Which, which song don't you like? Tai Shan. You don't like that song? No. Wait, you don't like his playing? <laughs> 
Well, because you said that. I did, but you know what I mean what is... No, what I mean is... Yeah, I, no, no, I don't on that. You I'm know gonna, what I think on that? Yeah, go ahead. Because this is tough. Wow, I want to back you into, into the corner that you walked to do right this. into. Because I feel, no, like, what I mean is... You said, sometimes I don't like his playing, and I want to know which song you don't like his playing on. And I don't mean that I don't like his playing wow. on a song, because there's songs That's I don't an like amazing call on. right there. Christian, right. I can't even look at him, because I imagine he's got a shit-eating grin. Because nobody else in the world would get what's going on right here, except for him, probably. So... I will say this. That was a misstatement. I wouldn't say I don't like his playing. <laughs> the back pedal that was, I, That's no, fine. You know what? You know what? I'm no, happy to accept however you want to put it. How far back are you going to go? Yeah. I did not mean it that I don't like. What I, I meant understood. was, or you're telling me there's no rush thing where you're like, he could have gone this here or that. Of course, yeah. What I mean is I'm not you know slavishly what, devoted to everything the man ever did is the most perfect thing ever. Right. But what I'm saying is if I was reading Modern Drummer in 1987 and I spent part of my rent money to get the new copy of Modern Drummer because he was on the cover of it yeah. and he said Promox 747s, I was going to try to play him for at least six or eight band practices even though I knew from the first one that I couldn't play him. They're right. too heavy. Right. I'm going to play him. They're Neil's sticks. Like right. He affected and my... Not, I hate to even say it, it sounds stupid to say my lyric writing. Not like I've ever written any important lyrics. Right. But everything about the way I think about art in general has been affected by Neil Peart. Probably by Rush, too, to be fair. Yeah, that's fair. But, 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 yeah, he, he's that figure in my life. He's, I imagine it's the way a lot of people felt when, like, Bowie died. People that were super hung up on Bowie, yeah, yeah. and you get it. And I think what's weird about it for us is that typically, the nerds we are, everything can't be normal, it's got to be weird. So the guy we're upset about didn't touch anybody with his blah, 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 blah. He's a drummer in this weird band. Right. Right. But we feel about him like, I know people think it's sacrilegious. This is a Kurt Cobain or a John Lennon moment to me. Yeah. He is one of the single greatest human beings on the planet to me. Yeah. Right. Beyond the music that he made. Beyond even music in just general. Right. If I think of who are the most important humans that profoundly affected me, it's fair to say all three of them are yeah. in yeah. many ways. But for absolutely without <clears throat> question, Neil Peart is one right. of those people. I had never, ever, ever in my life imagined, even being a fan of Buddy Rich and Gene Krupa, I could not have imagined that somebody could fucking play the drums like that the first time I heard moving pictures, period, mm. we're done. Right. He took the people that I thought were my heroes, and I went... There's not only somebody that's better than that, in terms of, you, this is subjective, the way the time is so tight and it's mm. a different thing, I'm like, he's that much different than everything? That much? It's not a new little thing he came up with. This dude is, what is he doing? Yeah. Right. And, and the, to be honest, and I hope these guys wouldn't chafe at it, Getty and Alex had to be the whole time going, look at this dude wants to play with us? Right. He's ridiculous. Now, they're, they're ridiculous. But you can tell when they're interviewed about him, where they're like, look at the words he uses. Yeah. How right. do we could get this dude to write lyrics? Like, they're blown away by him. Yeah. Yeah. He's no, ridiculous. They're, they're in the band with him, and they're fans of him. Best thing ever right. is Getty Lee's thing in the documentary, and like, what about the first time you saw Neil play? And he's like, and he came and set up. And Alex tells, like, this story about, oh, he came, and he was kind of weird, and I blah, blah, blah. They go to Getty, and he goes... He was so good. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that tells, 
And he had to convince, right? Alex was like, I don't think so. He's yeah. too goofy. He's too right, weird. Right. Yeah. And Getty was you, like, no, you, listen, we can get this guy to write lyrics. You yeah. can tell the reverence in the band was almost only one way, and that was towards Neil. Because you don't... You know I what? can't think of, a, of an interview or, or an article that I've read where, where Neil's talking about how great Getty's bass playing is or how emotional Alex's guitar solos make him feel. That doesn't mean he doesn't care about those right. things. But they never asked, nobody ever asked, thought right. to ask Neil those yeah, things. They're like, well, you're, you're the guy who's writing the lyrics and playing the drums. Yeah. You're, you're, you're the engine of this yeah. thing. Right. Well, and then we'll that. talk to Getty Lee and Alex Lyson, like, oh, yeah, he's definitely the engine. Yeah. You know, so nobody, you know, it's an interesting thing. I, I'd love to, I, I, I'll have to go back at, at some point over the next few years and, and Listen to the interviews and, and and pick through all the stuff. I, I have so many, you know. Listening to a lot DVDs of the old ones. You know what's funny is how YouTube. weird is it? You guys know the same thing. We were talking about a. Uh, it has nothing to do with Rush, but he and I and Ron today. Ron at Ron's at RRR Records. We're talking about a a, spe a specific interview with this guy Fenris from this the black metal band Dark Throne, where he sings this song, and he's trying to explain it to the guy that's interviewing him. Adrenaline OD. The Adrenaline OD, and the song's called Rock and Roll Gas Station. And uh, we were just talking about that, and when you talk about interviews, isn't it interesting that we're such music nerds that you, you, and you, I'll accuse both of you because I'm just as bad, every single one of us has multiple files of Rush interviews that we have totally memorized. Yeah. Right. Well, that's the one where Getty has a cigarette, you know, or whatever, right? Right. And the ones that always affected me, I was just talking to Kenny again to bring up my nephew again. This thing where they were a hockey team yeah. and they were all the goalie. And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, the thing about hockey is and the goalie is the most well protected on the ice. He has the best equipment, the heaviest yeah. gear. You don't touch the goalie. Right. And if you do, the rest of the team is going to try to kill you. They don't care about winning the game. Right. Your dudes are going to the hospital. You don't touch the goalie. There was always this Canadian hockey underground Bob and Doug McKenzie thing where any time in certain interviews someone would come up on somebody, the other ones would immediately. Yeah. And I'm always remembered, reminded of this one interview that I can't cite where it was from or what it was from, but where they're talking and the guy says something to the effect of, you know, a lot of people's complaint with Rush is they don't like the vocals. Have you ever thought of getting somebody else to sing and Getty could play keyboards and do bass and before he's done Neil is ashing the cigarette and he goes Getty's the singer <laughs> and I'm like that was as a kid yeah. is what I was talking about earlier where these fucking librarian like, nerds that everybody in the world is like fuck those guys they're nerd they're so bad yeah Getty's the singer what do you think about that Basically, like they literally could tell somebody to fuck themselves without doing it. Yeah. it it's a, it's and they a, did over it, and over. Like Getty Lee. Oh, what what's the one where he's like, "Well, I think modern music is getting boring." And Neil goes, "Is it?" <laughs> I don't think it is. I don't no. think it is. We yeah. don't. And Getty in the back with a button. He goes, oh, "We don't think so." Right. Like you're like, from day one, they did not give a. Fuck. Yeah. They yeah, did whatever either, they wanted. It's either a signals interview or a pre-signals interview. It's so it's somewhere between. Yeah, like that's when they were talking about eighty-one, eighty-two. They they talk about the boomtown rats, heads, the talking boom heads, rats, right, the, the police. police. Yeah. So it, it, it's a classic interview, and it's it's easily uh, findable. Yeah. But but it's great because you're right. Neil has the thousand yard stare, death daggers when when he says, "You ever thought about getting another singer?" He's like Getty. 
kid, he's the singer. Yeah. What's and amazing about it is in the and, earlier and again, Neil the... interviews where Neil's scared and they push him into it, mm. which later he avoided entirely. Yeah. I don't want, I'm out. Yeah. But in the, some early, there's one amazing early interview where Neil is nervously sweating, chain smoking, sweating like Neil. No drum set, no book. He doesn't know what's happening. He's fucking mm. out of it. And the guy's like, so tell me what the approach is about this album that's different than the last album. I think it's a Permanent Waves interview. And Getty fucking elbows Neil on the spot, and he goes, you tell him. <laughs> and Neil is like, well, I think the uh, direction that uh, we've taken on this one is derives from the situation where... He goes on the Neil thing, and you're like, later on, though, he was so empowered by those guys going... No, you don't understand, bro. You're afraid of these people to talk to them. You're the, one of the best drummers on the planet. You say whatever you want, like, yeah. but don't be a dick. You don't need to be. Right, right. And you don't, you don't need to be Stuart Copeland. So later, he had the power of like, I know I have the confidence that if anybody tries to hurt me, which is ignorant, because I'm the goalie. I'm better protected than everybody. I'm six feet tall. I'm a lumberjack, but I'm Getty's here, so it's gonna be okay. Yeah. Right. Getty's this big, right? Where that, you know, where all of a sudden he goes from, uh, the, uh, well, maybe this situation could be, <laughs> right. to Getty's, Getty's the singer. So getting back to where, where you thought Neil didn't play very well in a song, oh. which song is that? I didn't say that he didn't play very well. Now, I think if you'll be realistic about it, you'll realize what I said was there's even songs where I might disagree with his playing or something to that effect. With I didn't what say he played. It's not that he played it poorly, you just don't, he, he could have done something different. Yeah, yeah. I right? think. What, what could he? What? <laughs> nice. What could he have done differently? Roll bones. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now wait a what minute. I, what now, I meant was this. I didn't mean the quality. Neil's. I, I, I'm only digging into you because. No, and I'm okay. Because I want to. Because I want to talk about it. Roll yeah. the bones. Not my favorite song. Me either. It's it's probably in Jack. my in my bottom Relax. in my bottom twenty rather than my top twenty. Okay, or anywhere I agree almost. Oh, right? yeah, the album but, or the song. The song. But but okay. but but the way he plays it is masterful. Of course, I agree. And I know that's not what you meant. I and that's what it. I'm trying to divine is to get back at okay, I didn't mean how he played it. I meant maybe what he played. Like it certainly the I song, guess what I was trying to say is sometimes Neil's a turn of a vocal. Not a vocal, that's Getty. A turn of a lyric where I was like, I would have put this or right, right. a turn of a drum. To say that I thought Neil misplayed anything is absolutely is grossly and mistaken. No, his look, look. Here's the thing about and Neil. I right? his, into time, you his time is impeccable to the point where growing up, one of the biggest things you ever heard about people that why do you love Rush so much? That drummer is so he's so stiff. He can't swing. He doesn't have any groove. He has no feel. You know, right? But I think a song like. Enemy Within, that's all feel to me. Yeah. Right. The way, that, that drum beat is sick. It's on time. If you play it with a metro, it's almost impossible to play. It's a lot like that little section in La Villa that's mm. stupid. It doesn't sound like anything, but it's this right. reggae thing and yeah. a rock thing. Right. But anyway, that is so loaded to me, literally, with feel, that I feel what that is, that, that lope. Way before I start to go, where is the hi hat? Like mm. I, I'm trying to think of other amazing parts where I think he can was. Can I bring one up? Yeah, please. Mistaken. Hey, that I, can't I, I want you guys both time. to and, and everybody listening to 
envision whatever you whatever you can bring to mind wherever you are at in your station in life in your in what you like to listen to in music yeah. bring up the image the idea of James Brown mm-hmm. right well that's an interesting thing to talk about on a podcast about Rush and Neil, right. right well James can go pretty so, much wherever he wants so think okay. about think about James Brown just as an idea yeah now that you've been thinking about James Brown for a few seconds, if you know the song Cygnus X1, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's on Farewell oh, yeah. to Kings, that's 1977, yeah. there's a riff that starts at basically at the beginning of, yeah. of, 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 that, of that song, which is drum, bass, and guitar. And yep. it's a very syncopated, tight riff with a lot of space in it. Yeah. A lot of space. And then I want you to put James Brown in your mind when you listen to that, oh and, yeah, and then go mind blown. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's right. yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a soul funk riff played yeah. by three twenty-seven-year-olds from Canada. It's like a Parliament riff. Right, you can hear James going uh. Down, 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 yeah, we were listening to the radio yeah. in, in the 60s, yeah. and, and a lot of what we heard, besides the Yardbirds, right. uh, what was James Brown, yeah. what was the soul stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, that was on popular radio, yeah. and you couldn't avoid it. Just like I, I've never owned a Beatles album in my entire life. I'm 50 years old, never owned one. Good for you. I know so much of their catalog. Yeah, of just course. Through, That's why you don't need to own one. Just yeah. through friends of mine who love them, but, yeah. but be long before that, in single digits, going to shopping markets with my parents, driving to the Cape in the car with them, and Beatles were ubiquitous. In every Friendly's I was ever in, in every Howard Johnson's, in every Alexander's supermarket, in every Filene's, (laughs) in every J.M. Fields, in every Caldor, there was a Beatles song playing. So I know know the Beatles. These guys know soul music. So whether they even admit it or not, or even know it, it's it's in their music. Ray so Cygnus X1 is about as far away from soul as you can get. Right. And then when you think about James Brown for five seconds, you and go, then turn oh, that song, yeah, you're like, James. yeah, there they are. Huh. Right, all In right. fact, to be 100% honest, I'm not even being ironic. It's great. I wish that existed. Imagine if James Brown ever sang Cygnus X1. <laughs> right. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Spinning! Ha! <laughs> 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 Whirling! Ha! <laughs> Still descending. <laughs> instead of <laughs> instead of being eleven minutes long, it'd be forty-two minutes long. Because James James could stretch out a song. Yeah. Right. Love James. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Just. Huh? So that's how. So that's how we get from Rush to James Brown. That See. Was, that was pretty I mean, unfor- it's not, not even a, six steps. It's not a literal answer. move. Right, right. It, 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 it's more of a feel. Yeah. But can you feel it? Yeah. Oh, James oh, yeah. Brown would say, if yeah. you can feel it, it's it's there. So right. rush to James Brown in one move. Yeah. Easily. Right. And I think yeah. Yeti would acknowledge that. Yeah. Someone. Like, would you come up with this baseline? Welcome to. That would be without James. And James Brown, rush to James Brown will be on the very first episode of Someone Leaves, leaves the, room. the Room. Um. 
It's interesting, too, how I wanted to bring up... Now, see, Guy has left the room. Now, yeah. now the tables have turned. <laughs> Strangely, though, my... The part of me that's like conspiracy theorist notices that the only one that never leaves the room is you. Is me, yeah. Know, you right? might be manipulating all of us. <laughs> um, did you find, I did, yeah. and I don't mean to influence uh, you in any way, but I'm just going first because you have no idea otherwise what I'm talking about. Yeah. Did you find that Neil's death impacted you differently in any way than you ever thought that it would, obviously thinking your entire life that that could be the case, that your heroes could die. Yeah. Because I found it impacted me strangely profoundly. Yeah, no, it definitely did, yeah. Even when other people I, I have absolutely cared about and loved their work or whatever passed, right. Pat Denizio from the Smithereens a few yeah. years ago still hurts now, like it was a really big deal, yeah. but it wasn't this. Like, mm. this is like a yeah. family member yeah. died. No, definitely. You felt it too? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I definitely... Were you yeah. surprised that it did that? I was. I was, yeah. Yeah, because I thought it would just be... Because I, you know, I, and I don't think it was because it was unexpected. I just... I was... doubted myself, basically. Like, I sat being... I was down here. I'm not going to lie about it. I was yeah. sitting down here at various times drunk, yeah. listening to Rush albums, like, crying, yeah, and telling myself, dude, come on, you're being an idiot. This guy's a drummer in a band. Right. And then, like I said, after a few days going... No, it really no, is that big of a deal. Yeah, definitely. And it feels weird to me because I think it's the first celebrity that's ever died that I felt that strongly yeah. about. I've had a lot of people that are heroes of mine go, unfortunately. Yeah. And like, and I miss them all and blah, 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 as Alex yeah. would say. But this is the first one that really, really hurt that bad. It surprised me because I thought some of those other ones stung. Yeah. And I wasn't prepared for somebody that I never met to yeah. hurt me that bad when they died. Jeff Hanneman was my first. Yeah, that was really big tough one for me because that was something yep. that I had related to as like a kid into metal and hardcore. Because that's that was awesome, they bring up Jeff, I and I think it's interesting that on this Rush thing later, I don't know if you go in and edit it or whatever. If you do, but I think it's amazing that we're so focused on Rush. We love them. Yeah. I think I love this part where we just branch off in other bands that have nothing to do with it. Right. Yeah. Because that shows the illustration of reality that Rush is part of all of that. Yeah. Rush, my love of Rush is absolutely part of what's going on with the way I love Slayer. Yeah. yeah. Whether those guys like Rush or right. not, I don't know. But yeah. um, Jeff was tough for me because as a kid, I had initially. Um, we made our way to Jeff Hanneman while you. We're talking about Hanneman. He's not a Slayer guy, so he won't know or care. But that's okay. So Hanneman died. Imagine rain and blood. Yep. Oh yeah. Fucking a. I can imagine now that. Now bring well. James Brown to mind. <laughs> that would work again. Think about it. Ready? Ready? Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear it. Anyway, when he died, it was the same thing because as a kid, I was on Team Hanneman from Go. The yeah. first time I heard Hella Waits was the first Slayer I heard. Yeah. Looked at those tra the, the writing credits. I was like, what about this guitar sound that makes me want to murder my family? Yeah. And I was like, oh, those are it was the Ace Fraley thing. Oh, that's all that Hanneman, Hanneman. Oh, Hanneman wrote that. Hanneman wrote this yeah. one. And I became convinced that the sound of that, that Jeff, you know the sound, yeah. was what fucking made Slayer Slayer in the way 
that John Fogarty made Credence Credence. I was like, yeah. he's fucking Slayer to me. Yeah, yeah. But that started in 1985 for me. Yeah. And for many, many long years, I fought many a metalhead who were, it's Tom and Kerry. Really? Yeah, a lot. No, and I, people, I was like, Kerry, yeah, was, I was like, those guys rule. I have nothing wrong right. with any of them. Yeah. Jeff Hanneman is what Slayer is yeah, to me. Yeah, the heartbeat of the, the, the band. That sound of that. Yeah. Burp, that it, yeah, his guitar solo. And then later, of course, when he died, the next day, everybody had felt that way for 40 years. Yeah, yeah. And it was very vindicating to me to go, oh, this is one of those rare occasions where I was yeah. actually right. It really? was the case, you know? Um, with Neil, I think we all just made that call. Yeah. Which is an amazing, not to profit emotionally from the man's demise... But I think in the end of the day, we can all safely say we were, we were when it comes to Rush in general, we were right. When yeah, everyone hated I mean, it and it's oh, gay yeah. and fuck you, you idiot, that band sucks. Well, now it's 50 years later. We were right. They're one of the best fucking bands of all time. Literally of yeah. all time. Not of some subgenre. Right. The band that we got beat up for turned out at the end of the day in our lifetime to be one of the most important rock bands of all time. Mm. We were they'll, right, and that's amazing. They'll be acknowledged that way, but they're still always at, at an arm's length because... Because people don't get it. Yeah. It's and, too weird. Same with King Crimson. Yeah, and and, it, and and when you really get down to brass tacks, that's, well, let's put on some of their records in a room right. full of people, some of whom are diehard Rush fans and some of whom never heard the band in their life, and you're not going to get a great reaction. You're going to get well, that's very mixed. It's, you're going to get yep. diehards... You're going to get people who go, what is this horrible You know what else noise? is weird about Rush? And, that, and they've done that from day one, you're, which is kind of what's always made them unique. You're absolutely you right. Know? And what's interesting about that is having a lot of these conversations recently. I'm so stoked, by the way, in the middle of this thing, to be with you guys talking about this right now is fucking amazing. Mm. At, I, you know, I, this I, is fucking literally like I look forward to this. This is the most brilliant thing ever. Because nobody else gives a shit. Mm. My wife gets it to some degree. Like, yeah, I get it. Like, this guy died and you want to hang yourself. I get it. But what, what, you know, you hit the drum, whatever. Nobody else understands it, like either of you guys, that yeah. I know, that's a rush nut. Do you know somebody that understands it better than either of us? No, it, it goes back. It's a weird thing, right? It goes it's back like a, a couple friends that are. Bizarre and, and this, and little is, cabal of like, yeah, no, well, and I know it, some people yeah. other that would get it. But still not even almost the same. This, this uh, is why it goes to family, because the people that I've known for almost my entire life, which is Brian and, of course, my brother and sister, who are very close in age to me, they're just mm -hmm. a little bit younger, are the three people who reached out and who we were talking about it immediately. Yeah. Because this is somebody that's been in their life. Yeah. By even me, though they're not necessarily giant fans. Yeah. Right. That's just, crazy, just right? Just as long. So they, if they heard that news, either through me or otherwise, they knew it was going to affect me. Yeah. So, um, it, it's it's interesting to think about. A month later, you know, I, at, at first I was, you know, just just shocked and then very depressed about right. it. Right. Um, he he's sixty seven. So you know, when he was thirty three, thirty four. You know, that, that that was the middle of the road right yeah. there. And we, you know, everybody thinks about their mortality at some point, yeah. yep. whether they disregard it immediately or obsess about it till the day they go right. or anywhere in between. You know, nobody knows how much time they have. Yeah, right. And then when it's gone, it's over, and then it, it seems very abrupt and yeah. very, oh, there was so much more to do. Right. Yep. I mean, a, 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 as as you both may know, 
Neil very famously started taking drum lessons. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? After 22 years of, yeah. of professionally being ar arguably on the largest stages in the world. Yep. In 22 years into his career, which by, for a lot of people, they're done. They're right. over. Especially a drummer. Yeah. And especially a drummer that's working as hard as he is. Right. Never mailing it in. Right. Plus he's writing the, the lyrics. We all, all of that said. Yeah. Here's a guy who said... I've got to go back to fundamentals. Right. Uh, not only that, as I learn with this guy who's 20, 30 years my senior, right. and who I've been told, if you want to learn and you want to get better, go see him. Yeah. Well, I'm the best drummer in the world. I've been <laughs> voted the best drummer. Right. Like, you, you've got a lot to learn, my right. friend. If you've been voted the best drummer, you just got your first star, right? Yeah. That means you've graduated from elementary school and right. now you can start to yeah. it, it, it in a way it's almost uh and i know very very little about this but what i know about it is it's very middle eastern yeah. M uh, middle eastern drummers especially uh students of uh, not just drummers it's just middle eastern musicians but drummers in particular uh will will take the name i believe it's pandit which means student yeah. and they will call themselves pandit and then, oh, yeah. and then their name and that means student. Right. Um, I'm pretty sure that, and forgive me if I've got this wrong, and then Ustad means uh, master. Right. Or the other way around. And so that's where I'm going to sound really ignorant because I should know this. Well. But from what I, the little that I understand about, about that culture and, and drumming, which I'm absolutely fascinated with all, yeah, the, all the music, but the drumming in tabla in particular... With, 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 right, they never, never refer to themselves as masters. Right. No, yeah. they're always students. Until just... the day they go, they are a student. And Neil, twenty-two years into his career, being voted best drummer ever, is still a student. Right. And he's telling us this. He's like, so I went to see. Interestingly enough, let's would... point out that just for people that don't know, we always forget. We think everybody's a rush nerd. Right. The two people he goes to immediately to find out where he can go. Which says a lot about, well, you see the best in the... Where does the best in the world go? Right. The first person is that he goes to is for, I think, the first three kind of segments of his new thing was is Peter Erskine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just the th yeah. thought of Neil and Peter mm -hmm. sitting at drum kits together in a room makes right. me really excited. Yeah. He's a genius that I love to death, right? Then he goes to Gruber, right, to Freddie. Yeah, it's the other way around. Is it? Yep, it's Gruber and Erskine. I thought it was Erskine sent him to Freddie so, Gruber. So Gruber, uh, he, he meets with Freddie before they record Test for Echo. So explain explain who those two names are. So Peter, Peter Erskine. Uh, so Freddie Freddie Gruber, to be honest, not um, maybe in my ignorance, I don't really know him in any way as a player. I only yeah. know him as a dude who taught players. Yeah. Which seems funny because you assume that dude can play. Right. And when you see the list of people that he, he that, that immediately come out without any hesitation and go, the reason I play is this yeah, guy, right. you go, well, he's the dude. Right. Um, Peter Erskine, on the other hand, is somebody I know from fandom, yeah. from playing with Weather Report, yeah. and uh, I, I, it would almost be easier to come up with who he didn't play with right. in the jazz world. Yeah. He, he was, he, he, in the day... That's what's amazing too. Not on a comeback. Not in the day he was the drummer for a very, very well-known big band dude named Stan Kenton. Yeah. 
And that right there, you're like, oh, you're a drummer for Stan Kenton. Yeah. And he's done every amazing thing. And to this day, if he posts a 30-second clip on the Vic Firth website, I watch it immediately. It right. comes in my mailbox. Yeah. Yeah. What has Peter got to show me? Yeah. And every time, Guy and I watched a video of his recently, and the whole video, this is after 40 years of analyzing drum videos, we're like, oh, look at him, he's sitting this far from the snare drum, and he's ridiculous, like, this dude is teaching us something that we'd never even thought of yeah. right now. So Neil goes to him, like, oh, you... So you gotta think about that, too. Yeah. Like, what is that to be Peter Erskine and be like, oh, Neil Peart comes to you for a lesson. Right, right. That's mental. When when he changed his philosophy about, can I learn? And he started playing with the traditional grip a little to yeah, like yeah. go out of his comfort well, zone. So yeah. that's before Tess Foreco. They they'd taken a break from counterparts was ninety three. Now yeah. it's ninety five. It's been two years. Yeah. Yep. And Neil's speaking with and learning with Freddie Gruber, and and, and he's changed his grip. There's a matched grip, which is just two sticks. Right, yeah. You know, it's every rock drummer. And then there's traditional grip where one one stick points in toward the drum right. rather than straight he out. Kind of brought the um, yeah, the what do you call that technique that uh, the molar to Neil yeah of like it's not this it's right. a big thing yeah the yeah. dancing thing rather than an attack it's all one movement right. kind of a movement and Neil really embraced the really student, which which it, it was not his personality didn't come through through his lyrics yeah. and certainly in his interviews he seemed very stoic and like yeah. I'm this guy and I'm the smartest guy in the room right right and and, and a, a classic uh, what's what, what's that classic phrase if you if you're always the smartest guy in the room you're, you're in the wrong room right right yeah, yeah, yeah you need to expand your circle right so Neil at 22 and years he, into his career did just that he said I'll go be a student again I will right. learn and Freddie is kind of really, if, you, if you watch if you look up Freddie just type in Freddie Gruber awesome. to YouTube. Oh, he's so funny. It's hilarious. Yeah, he's ridiculous. He's, great. Yeah. he's crazy. He's all over the map, right? He doesn't you're, make you're a an lot idiot. Of sense. Right. He doesn't make a lot of sense. He's right. Right. right? He, he he does not seem like a master. Right. Yeah. Remind you of he's, Harry Carey, if you're familiar oh, with yeah. him. Yeah. Right. He's he, like that, but a drum he, teacher, and he's like, you know what your problem is, kid? Look at you. You're hitting with all your heart. Like you got you got your whole soul behind it. I get it. You're right. angry. Right. Where's the song? Right. It's like if Where's the song, Neil? Where's the one? Right. Right? And, right. and Neil's like, oh, Freddie, okay, yeah, he, excuse me. <laughs> and it's amazing because he's like this angry dude. Right. and um, Not angry. That's the wrong way to put it. He's not angry. It's not no, negative. It, right. He's passionate. Yeah. He's passionate. Fiery. He's 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 Yoda, but yeah. instead of Yoda to Luke, it's it's Yoda to to Yoda to Obi Wan Kenobi. Right. Right. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Kenobi's come to him. What's right? crazy was and, seeing and said, it. Where it Yoda, really, I still have stuff to learn from right. you. Oh, okay. Getty, Getty and Alex have claimed a lot of times that in various interviews I've seen where they're like, it changed how we wrote the songs because all of a sudden what he could do was a different thing. Neil, it wasn't Neil's that he became a better drummer. Different. Yeah. It was yeah. that he could do even more. Getty Lee said something along the lines of he could do even more crazy shit even than he could before, which right. was he would do stupid things. Yeah. Now all of a sudden he came back and he's like, oh, and I could do this. Right. right. And we so were like, what? So live as a fan, yeah. where it really, really came to the fore about what that peak, and as a drummer, this mattered to me. Yeah. Like I took into fact that Neil had this big of a change. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. the dude that's my hero can right. change. Yeah was in the solos live, seeing him play live and when he would switch to the traditional grip, yeah. his whole rhythmic thing was different. The way the parts he was not I don't want to say predictable, but Neil had a certain doom like a thing he right. would do 
And all of a sudden, when he started learning that, the solos changed direction. So this is it went in places where 1996, 97, yeah, Test for Echo. And so, so he he learns what he can from Freddie, incorporates it into what he does, and it fundamentally not only changes how he plays, but how he plays with the guys in the band. Yeah, right. And right. they have to get used to it because it's weird, it's yeah. different, and it also changes the drum kit. Yeah. And for the first time, he eliminates a bass drum. He's always been a two bass drum yeah. guy. Right out of the... From the gate. Keith, Real, too. No double pedal Keith, and a fake right, slave yeah, drum. Right. Yeah, Keith Moon, one of his heroes, double bass double drum. Bass, yeah. Neil Pert, double bass drum. And yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mispronounce his name because that's right. how I always knew him. And, uh, and Don Perry, who's a close friend of his from Jethro yeah. Tull with the two bass right. drum. Right. Double yeah. bass drum. So that's yeah. Neil. He He's now down to a single drum yeah. with, a, with a double oh, yeah. double pedal. Yeah. That's different. All, all the toms, he, he, again, how are you going to know this news? Well, you're going to read right. it in the news report yeah. when you go to the Test for Echo tour, and you grab, it's the first evening with Rush. Right. That, that, that was the first tour where they didn't... Yeah, where they had the two They sets, opened for themselves. Opener. They yeah. said, we're, you know... Not cool. And we were going, finally! It's we almost, were talking about that earlier. It's almost yeah, we a final tap moment for them. Yeah. They're like, well, why don't we just open for ourselves? Because yeah. we'll whoever just, we have open for us, we think is awesome. Yeah. It the doesn't fans matter. don't care. They yeah. want to see us. Yeah. and yeah. They just had too much of a rich catalog at that point to just... That was it, too. One right, one of, that's one of my biggest regrets to this day. Not regrets, it's the wrong word, but one of my biggest disappointments with Rush that in some circles makes you you're not a fan if you don't love everything. Right. Was what were you guys thinking with these retread set lists for decades? Yeah, you yeah. had such a deep and amazing catalog yeah. and the fan base to support it. Yeah. A lot of bands couldn't go back to this stuff that nobody cares yeah, about. I, yeah. If you guys seriously came out in 2010 and went, we're just going to play the Fountain of Lamb Neff, you right. would have sold out every single yeah. show. You could have sold a DVD. Yeah. No, I don't care if Getty's got it tuned down, if you're in drop D. I don't care what it is, right? Yeah. And instead, you guys are like, all right, it's Red Sector and Animate. No, and we know. But, Brian, when that's your day job, you know, you get a little more conservative with where, you know, who's going to pay for the 17 Ferraris and the... Oh, come on. Right? And, 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 Ferrari, and, and all, all the French wine. You know, you get a wine cellar to... to, to right? You got security and you get dogs, right? And you yeah. got a bass guitar collection. Have you seen that Getty... <laughs> by the way... To diverge from Neil to Getty for yeah, one, just one moment. Collection. collection. Have you seen Getty's big book of bass in person? I no, have. No. I haven't bought it, but yeah. I've been through it a little bit. That, yep. that was a, a Christmas gift for yep. me this year. And, oh, yeah? And it's so literally, again, a, what a great band because yeah. they have an they have a impeccable sense of sarcastic humor. Yeah. Um, the book is literally, it's Getty Lee, it's called Getty Lee's Big Book of Bass. Right. And it's so big and so heavy that it's impossible to read without right. ruining it. Right. It's like a base. So so yeah. I've ye I've yet to read it because I'm going to need a book stand <laughs> right. with a pillow well, like like that book. Like 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 like, yeah, like, I, like is... I need a 16th century yeah. like uh, uh you know uh Gregorian Bible right. stand yeah. to put it on because I can't look at it. Right. I'm like okay, first of all right. if I if I've got if I've you know wiped my forehead right I'm going to stain all the right. the pages. So I can't do that. Yeah. The the thing weighs 19 pounds. Right. So if I try to read it on the on the couch, right. it's going to slide off. I'm going to my arm's going to break. It's going to dent something. It's yeah. going you know, the binding's going to break. I've yet to look at it. It's yeah. been just sitting in my house since December. Anyway, um, Neil changed everything, and yeah. then in the tour book for Test for Echo, he told us all about it. He's like, yeah. you'll notice that my drum set now has <laughs> right. one less drum on the floor 
and that all of the toms on the top have moved over one right. one position because I've changed the whole layout. Right. That I also may be drumming on some songs, the right. new songs, with a traditional grip, and then the older songs, some of them I will have adopted a traditional grip with, right. and they'll have a different feel, yeah. and some I'll stay with my match grip because that's what that's what the song is. Right. And, Which and, is and, nuts, and I'm yeah. sitting there. With Brian, and he felt was, so different when he played so, him the other way. Right. So, so Tess Fareko, uh Let's see. So say. So Brian and I are both twenty-five years old. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. And that was the first. So twenty-five years old. We've been seeing Rush since like eighty-four, eighty-five. Yeah. Now it's ten years, eleven years in. Yeah. We're yeah. still in our twenties. We finally get front row. Yeah. Unintentional. Oh yeah. Remember, yep. Brian's wife at the time. But she's still my wife now. And, 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 but it was at that time. And you know, currently, she wasn't my wife right, at the time. Right. Um, bought second row tickets yeah. because that's all we could afford. Yeah. And, and they were in the three figures at that right. point. In 1996, yep. that was a lot of cake. Yeah. And then 96, 97? Yeah, 96, 97. Uh, probably 96 for the album, 97 for the tour, somewhere in Something there. Something like that, yeah. Yep. Oh. And oh. bought second row. Yeah. That was all that our wallets could bear. Yeah. And when we got to the show, they had removed the the, the, the way the stage had laid out. They'd removed the front row um, to put in bass bins. Right. Yeah. And, and had not sold those front row right. tickets. So, so the second row, second became row became front de facto row. front yeah. row. Nobody got right. you know, got screwed out of their front right. row tickets. They just never right. that, that row was eliminated. Right. It was crazy. You know what else was pretty funny was um, back then it was. Um, flip phones with, yeah, like into like text or whatever. Right. The next that night and the next day, I got a bunch of texts from people I hadn't heard from in like a long time. Be like, dude, I was at Great Woods on the lawn. Was that you down in the front row? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So seats B fifteen and sure B sixteen yeah, became front row right underneath, nice. basically just slightly to the right of, yeah. of, of of Alex. Yeah. We'd never been that close to the stage yeah. ever in our lives. Yeah. I mean, we could read. Well, we we could see the the lyric monitors. Yeah. We could see all the. You could see Alex's Barbie doll. Yeah, his, he had toys yeah. taped to his effects. Yeah. Anyway, right. it was such an intimate experience. Yeah. And here we are. First thing we do, buy the tour book and read. We're looking at the stage. We're like, wait, Neil's only got a single bass drum. Yeah. What's going on? Right. He's switched yep. all the toms around. He's been taking lessons from him. Right. What are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> like you know, you buy the album, yeah, you was, don't know this. Yeah. You go to the show, and Neil tells yeah, you, you in his yeah. news report. And you're like, what's this going to be? Yeah. You throw it down on the floor, right. and the lights go down, and you know, three and a half hours later, you're right. sitting in the parking lot going, you know, you can't even talk. Right. It, they, they, they were a band that loved to overwhelm. Yeah. And I mean that in a positive way. They really, it's really did. weird the affection that the fans have had over the years with the equipment, I found interesting. Yeah. Um, I forget what show it was, just they kind of blur together, especially now, you know, drinking and whatever, but we went to a show where Getty brought out the Taurus pedals, yeah. I think, to play maybe Xanadu, and they just showed the Taurus pedals, all the dust from Getty's basement on them still, with Getty like, hmm, <laughs> and they showed it on the screen, and right. the place lit up like they just started Tom Sawyer, like yeah, the, yeah. everybody went off, and you're like... Wow, those Taurus pedals have a fan base. <laughs> do you remember the first time you ever saw him play the Rick? I do. Uh, I remember the first time I ever saw him play it. And it literally, I hate to say it, but by the time I started seeing Rush, 
People think the Rick was a thing the whole time, like right. Chris Squire, but it just wasn't. Yeah. Right. By moving pictures, it was pretty much gone. Yeah. By by exit stage left, it's well, it's in the movie. Right. But by by then, if you saw them, I think the Fender was already a thing. Yeah. Yeah, and right and, by yeah. then, and he was like, "I love the Rick, I love the sound, but it's a maintenance nightmare, and everybody knows it is to this day. Right. I still want one." Anybody out there with wayward Ricks, I will take any Rick for free. Same I here. Can't, can't afford one, but... But I need a lefty, but I need it strong righty. <laughs> and anyway... Touch base. Uh, touch base. So, Neil's drums, I think, would you guys say have a... Now, you and I as drummers, it's whatever, but you even as just a fan. Yeah. The drums have always been a member of the band. That oh, yeah. drum kit is yeah. so iconic. Yeah. In all of its configurations, how many how many classes did we fail or get kicked out of or sent to drawing the, that drum sent, sent to the guidance counselor drawing to maps talk. of it? Because not only were we drawing it and were we were in the same class, we were drawing it and then sending it over between other students yep. to each other yeah. to add into it. I got kicked out of a, this is a yeah, funny story out. that won't make any sense or nobody would care except for right this minute in this kind of podcast. I got kicked out of. One of the three times I ever in my entire school career got sent to the office. My entire school career, from kindergarten to senior, I got only sent to the office three times. Yeah. And one of them was because I was trying to draw, write out the musical notation for how to play Tom Sawyer on drums the right way because I couldn't learn that hi-hat opening, and I thought if I wrote it down and I could look at it, I would do it. Right. Right. And Mr. Davis fucking kicked me out of civics because I was trying to write Tom Sawyer instead of pay attention to civics. That's what I'm saying. It's like I'm connected to this dude all the way through my whole life, directly to Neil Peart. Right. And part of that is those drum kits. Whatever drum kit that part was written on at that time is the the Tama drum kit. We've been talking about them all night off and on. The Tama drum kit, the Slingerlands, the Ludwigs through... I'm still not sure. Is it two different kits or just a repaint? The I think purple it was, and the pink ones. Well, we'd have to go to the tour book. No, we could. Right. But what I'm saying is, I don't know off the top of my I, head. I'm not embarrassed. I, so you can't know everything. I, no, I'm pretty sure that the he had two different Ludwig kits. Yeah. Because uh, the, the red Thomas got refinished more right, than once, the, the, right? The one, yeah, they did right. inside and out. Yeah, that's the what inside I mean. shells and the outside shells. So I don't know if I saw yeah. the purple ones and the white ones as two different right. kits or as the same kit with a different hot rod. I, I'm 99 sure that. How the, crazy is it? This is the day yeah. when you had a drum kit. When you were at his level. You had a drum kit painted like a hot rod. You didn't just have another one. Right. <laughs> like, Travis Barker, I guarantee you got 115 drum kits. Yeah. yeah. Every, I want a green one, right? He, Neil was like, we're going to have to spend $40,000 right. to have this refinished in purple. He, he, Can we do that? Right. Can we? Well, well, again, Neil being the the purist, and I use that word. Of course. Out, and understood 100% what you mean by that, too. Right. I, I, I use that word yeah. with... with with great respect, being the purest that these drums sound great. Yeah. Just yep. paint them different. Yeah. Well, get we'll build you a new kit. No, yeah. don't do that. I don't want a new one, a different one, right. a second one, a third one, a replacement. I want this one. Take to this, do this kit. Right. Remember, Brian, you know the story. And those drum the, kits as a kid were characters. They were part of that band. You the, knew what every. Le- so let me ask you, Brian, the, like. the, and Christian, the legendary, if you know, the legendary story of. The Slingerland Snare. The number one snare, of number course. Number one, which, which he named, he called it number one. Yeah. There's a know. reason why. And that, that fact that it later, 
it's only death, came, well, not death, but whatever, came at the Retirement. DW. Right. Which I think is... Well, it was before that, but, but the Slingerland number one snare, which if we look at the poster, is in that poster. Yes, there it is. Which, right? to be fair, is basically a Slingerland acrylite. Yeah. Well, steel, though, right? It's not aluminum. It's a steel drum, I think. Yeah, the, right. The Slingerland yeah, snare okay. is a steel drum. It's a metal and snare. And it sounds incredible. If you've ever, so for people that, are, that don't know, if you've heard any Rush song from the first 20 years of that catalog, you've heard this drum. That's yeah. the, the, the Rush snare drum. Right? The Yeah, I think that snare drum gets retired at uh, after Hold Your Fire and just before Presto. But I'm going to have to go back no, and look I at the tour No, I think it's book. on Presto. Look at the tour book. is right there. All the, that sh middle shelf, all the way to the left. I can see the test for Echo 1, so can you. There you go. How fucking gay... How, uh, back to gay. That, right, we have the we have this tour book right on... Right Let's on, refer Immediately, to the it's already in our hands. Page 6. <laughs> People, if you, if you hate list. Rush or you think this is nerdy... You want to be as far away from this as possible. We just produce a Presto tour book like that, right? Oh, it's right there to the left, right after that Genesis so, book. So, you so you have to get up. So, this is a, I was thinking that while I was thinking about it because I'm staring up. at a Rush poster and I feel like so, anywhere so I look take, in this room. My goes. nephew Kenny again. I'm sorry, you guys. It's an emotional thing for me. I bring it up again. He, when he was sitting here, he goes, he looks at me kind of like a character in a sitcom, and he goes. Points at the Rush poster. He points at the bobbleheads. He points at the autograph record. He goes, "I never put it all together till right now." <laughs> right. He's like, "That shit has been on this wall in front of me for decades." Yeah. I didn't get it till right now. Like I now I yeah. get it, and I thought so, that was funny. So let let's let's make let's correct the record. Yeah. For, for those of About soldiered on, was yeah. I wrong, bro? Uh, here, here's so, here was my first mistake. The uh, pink pearlescent Ludwig, Ludwig drums yeah, have been refinished dark plum, so it's the same it's kit. The same kit, and wow, I should okay. know that. I should have known. I that. should too, and I confess I did. That but... Neil, being the purist, he is. I like the sound of these drums. Let's just paint them different, but let's not change them. I don't want a new kit, right. and so they are the same kit. He says, amazing. and that kit did sound amazing. It, it was did. so good, right? So rich, his toms were amazing. Uh, he was still playing Zildjian cymbals at that point. Yes, time. he was. He didn't go to Peisty. Was it Peisty? No, Sabian, right? Paragon? Yeah, right. Well, he had his own model with the with the uh, Sabian. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is a Canadian company, and I get yeah. it, but whatever. He was on Zildjian for decades. Right. Right. In Wuhan. The Wuhan China cymbal. I think he's still playing that Slingerland snare, though, with that drum kit. I would... I wouldn't bet money on it because I don't have any, but I think he is. I'm trying to think to that record. Counterparts, right? It's the purple drums. No. That's Presto and Counterparts. Presto and Counterparts. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's playing the and, Slingerland snare. And at this point, he's still playing the Slingerland snare. Oh! Vindicated! Yes, he is. You know how you can tell? You know what the difference is with that snare? That snare is uncannily... has a very peculiar sound in the way maybe a guitar player's think of the snare on moving pictures period we're done period right. you can tell i almost feel like if you played somebody a sample of one snare hit one hit you could go oh it's tom sawyer yeah think about how crazy that is one snare hit you could go 
It's Tom Sawyer. A lot of that's yeah. the way he plays. If you it. just heard, right? Oh, it's Tom Sawyer, right. the hi hat. Of right. course. A lot of that's the way he plays it. A lot of that's the gear he uses, and a lot of that's you know Terry Brown producing it behind the scenes. Right. You know? Okay, that's the end of part one. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you're still listening. Uh, flip the album over, and you can hear. Uh, part two of this and uh again if you if you want to listen to more of this podcast you can find me on apple podcasts google play spotify youtube all the places you uh listen to your podcasts anyway uh episode two coming up